Canadian Aquatic Auctions, the place to be if you are into anything aquatic. Nelson Fletcher, owner and operator, has years of experience and wants to help you better achieve your aquatic needs and goals. So if you're an aquatic hobbyist and enthusiast, please visit Canadian Aquatic Auctions today. Their public auctions provide a venue to remarket all aquatic-related products, services, and equipment. If you are just starting out in the hobby, the site has a tack room where you can converse with other aquatic hobbyists like yourself. Canadian Aquatic Auctions is the eBay of everything aquatic. So visit Nelson at his site at www.aquariumauctions.ca or go check out his Facebook page as well at www.facebook.com slash Canadian Aquatic Sales. Together we can build lasting relationships that are based on listening and servicing your needs in a professional environment. Canadian Aquatic Auctions. James. For six years, I was a garbage can druggie. I would do any kind of drug I would get my hands on. But here at Teen Challenge, I've walked away from that drug lifestyle for good. If you know an adult or teenager who is struggling with a chemical addiction, Teen Challenge is there to help. Please, don't wait. Call us today at 417-862-6969 or reach us on the web at teenchallengeusa.com. Skis Watch and Clock, 106 West Central Avenue, Winter Haven, Florida, 33880. Located downtown across from the main post office. When you're short on time, he's right on time. For all of your watch, clock, sales, and service needs, call Skis, 863-294-5630. Sales, service, free estimates, and reasonable rate. That's 863-294-5630 for Skis Watch and Clock. This is our time. We play without limits. We create without rules. We are not for sale. We connect with the whole world. Every idea we've shaped. Every relationship we've cultivated. Belongs to us. We demand the freedom to be our uncensored selves. And when something challenges that... We change it together. This is our time. Let's start a revolution. Let's may we. Join the revolution at MeWe.com. Do you want to capture the best memories you can? Is wanting to preserve those memories your goal? Do you want your memories to last a lifetime? Do you want your memories to look beautiful in pictures? Well, if you live in Southern Oregon or Northern California, there's one place that you can save those treasures for a lifetime. Grateful Heart Photography. Abigail Summers is your solution for capturing your favorite moments and memories like birthdays, graduations, weddings, family portraits, single shots, and more. 
She can also capture the finest scenery shots around and make them available all across the country and around the world at a price that can suit your budget. So if you're looking for the right photographer that can preserve your legacy, look no further than Abigail Summers at Grateful Heart Photography. Call Abby at 541-890-4657 or message her at her Facebook page by searching Grateful Heart Photography. Much of her work is displayed there. Feel grateful for the memories captured by Grateful Heart Photography. Hi, this is John Therios. If you're looking for action-packed classic fun, look no further than One Nostalgic Weekend. Up in the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! So fasten your seatbelts every week for a trip back into time. Only on One Nostalgic Weekend. Saturdays and Sundays, midnight Eastern, 9 p.m. Pacific on Action VR Network. Where do you see yourself 10 years from now? Are you looking for a great education that's also in a great location? Check out College of the Siskiyous. We offer a variety of career and technical education programs, general education, and personal enrichment classes. With our new Reg365 process, you can register for any semester, any time of the year. With on-campus housing, an active campus life, competitive athletics, and expert guidance from our highly trained staff, College of the Siskiyous is waiting for you. Call us today. Every league, every team, every game, every season. 8 to 10, tell a friend. This is where the experts meet and speak on approach. You want to join the conversation, got to pick up the phone. Oh, phone, phone. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's the verbal version of the replay, the recap, the game seven, the draft, preseason, the rematch, players and coaches. The man keeps you posted. Whether you're rooting for the home or away, dirt, turf, hardwood, grass, a clip. We keep the conversation going and we cover it all. So when it goes down, you know the score. And when it comes to sports talk, this ain't no small talk. This is the big leagues. The ball is in your core. The best place for debate and point of view. After further review, you know what to do. Yo, what's going on, man? This is Dr. Further Review 2.0, a.k.a. the Sideline Pass. We are in the building. Um, Wednesday night, man, make it happen. You know what I mean? Because Tuesday night is whatever. You know what I mean? Um, we wanted to come back on, man, a little closer to the start of uh, the truncated baseball season. Woo-hoo! We're going to be back in the building, man. We got baseball tomorrow, man. Opening night, however you want to slice it, the Yankees and the Washington Nationals and the Dodgers and the Padres, I believe. But um, we're in the building, man. We're going to chop it up, talk about some things, man, get it popping, man. Um, I'm going to tell you from the door, man. Um, you know, I, I'm really uh, uh, on the uh, thought that they should really shut it down. I've really been on that. So, I mean, I'm just going with the with the flow right now. I'm not really, you know, uh, hard body even into it. It's hard to really get back into it, man, because I'm, you know, I'm kind of, you know, looking at the bigger picture. You know, you hope that, um, you know, nobody has to go through what we're going through right now as far as this pandemic is concerned. But then you also have to say, man, damn, man, you know, um, these leagues are really, really in a rush 
to get back. And, you know, it, it all goes back to the economic part of it. I hate to say it, but it is what it is. You know, you, you can't deny that. And then, you know, you look at what's going on in front of you, that they say, hey, go ahead on out there. We're we going to worry about your health later. So that tells you all that they, you know, all you need to know about what they feel about you. Um, you know, they try to make it happen. I get it. But for me, um, and, and the, the thought of, you know, having the big picture view is justified by a lot of these dudes be like, you know, they got things going on, especially in the NBA. You know, a lot of cats, you know, have to leave um, the bubble as we get closer to um, their opening tip off, uh, resuming their season. You know, um, you know, the big names, but Zion Williamson, you know, he left um, the New Orleans Pelicans to um, go deal with a situation with his family. And, you know, it's, it's, it's getting to a situation where now um, that day is getting closer. You know, and again, all it takes is for, you know, a certain number of people, big names to um, attract, you know, uh, attract this, um, this, this terrible virus that's going on. And we're back to square one. And I think, you know, them going into the belly of the beast, you know, in Orlando, Florida, and, you know, um, where, you know, it's, it's really, really going down in, 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 a, in a horrible way right now out there, you know. So, again, man, but they got to do what they got to do. You know what I'm saying? They got to do what they got to do. So uh, I'm not mad at them, you know what I mean? But, again, don't expect me in particular to feel sorry for you because you know better. You know, and again, I have to give credit to those those cats. It's like, you know what? You know, it's it's bigger. It's it's bigger than you know, uh, sports or baseball or football or basketball or whatever. I got a family to look after, so that's how serious it is. And I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at that thought at all. It's not like you, you know, you 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 you're quitting on your team or you're quitting on the nah. It's not like those load management and all that nonsense. It's none of that. And I do not blame anybody who says, you know what, I'm not doing it. So, again, um, you know, but the people who are, shout out to them. You know, I, I respect you. You know what I'm saying? You got to do what you got to do. And, um, you know, we're here to you know, discuss it, man. Um, I think that's a, a big story that has been, um, I haven't really heard a lot of people talk about it, is um, in San Francisco, man. Alyssa Mackin becomes the first woman to uh, coach on field during a major league baseball game. Uh, and some people would say, you know, that, you know, that is the um, exclamation point or the underline of, you know, the 2020 season. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. If she's capable, if she got the, you know, she's got the cachet to do it, you know what I mean? Make it happen. Um, Alyssa Lincoln made history last night, actually, in the game against the uh, Oakland A's. She became the first woman to coach on the field during a major league game. And she, went in and took over as the team's first base coach uh, in a game that they won, you know, six to two. So again, that, that's, that's really, really dope. So I'm not mad at that. She, um, she's 30 years old. She joined the um, San Francisco Giants in January, all right, as a coach. Okay. She became the first woman in the major leagues to hold a full-time coaching position. Uh, she started out um, with the Giants in 2014 uh, as an intern. So yeah, man. So again, um, she does her thing. You know, she knows the game, I, and it's a great, you know, um, you know, way and example to show how women in sports can do whatever they want to do. Whatever they have their mindset on, they can do it. And, again, I think that, um, you know, if, if we can get more, um, you know, young ladies 
that, you know, are interested, really interested in the game. And, and again, you know, who knows? She, like she said, she started as an intern. Now she's on the field. She's the first base coach. So you got to respect that. So I'm not mad at that at all. So, again, um, it's going down. Um, and, and you can't really, you really knock it because this is, you know, this, these are the times that we're in right now. They, you know, they have, you know, uh, the ability to play um, professional basketball. They have the ability to play, you know, um, other professional sports and things of that nature and get paid. But, you know, over here in the major leagues and, 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 and where all the uh, the notoriety, I guess, um, you, you, you know, you make it over here, you're good. So um, we see that we have um, a situation going on with a first base coach now being a woman and maybe, you know, in the near future we might have a, a first woman NBA uh, basketball head coach. I right, shout out to Becky Hammond, you know what I mean? So, again, man, um, it's, you know, times are changing, man, and they're changing for the better. So we're in the building. We're chopping it up, man. Um, the Toronto Blue Jays are still looking for somewhere to play. All right. They got turned down and, you know, to play um, their home games in Pittsburgh at PNC Park. And, um, again, man, this, you know, this is where we are. Okay? Opening day is tomorrow. All right, but you know what I mean, and, and the Toronto Blue Jays are still looking for somewhere to play at. You know, um, again, um, this is a health concern, so you really, you know, it, it's it's going to be different for them, man. It's going to be different for them, you know, and it's and it's a shame, and, and, and it really is, man. Um, I think that you know the Canadian government they do their due diligence. It's not like the United States can make them do anything. They denied the team's request for approval to play games in the uh, Rogers Center. That's where the Toronto Blue Jays play. Um, due to concerns over teams crossing the border, you know, other teams have to come in. The Yankees, the Mets, Florida, uh, Miami Marlins, you know, like that. Um, due to this pandemic that we're in, all right? Um, the Blue Jays were supposedly granted approval to play a majority of their home games at PNC Park, but the plan was rejected by Pennsylvania state government and the Pennsylvania Department of Health. You know what I mean? So because they just didn't want that extra burden added onto what they're dealing with already. So again, um, the Blue Jays, man, I think their last resort right now is wherever they have to play their games is um, traveling to that city of, you know, wherever they have to play at and playing as the home team. So the Blue Jays will be playing their home, you know, home games against the Yankees as the home team. That it's going to be bananas. But this is where we are. Um, the Blue Jays had initially looked into playing their home games at the AAA affiliate ballpark in Buffalo, New York. Okay? Um, they had their spring training ballpark in Dunedin, Florida, and in Camden Yards, which is the home of the Baltimore Orioles. That's in Maryland. So, I mean... Concerns over the ballpark adjustments and, you know, the situation that's going on down in Florida, man, it's, it's really, really bananas. It's, it's bananas, you know, that somebody's caught in the matrix. That somebody happens to be the Toronto Blue Jays. They're a team without a, you know, without a country right now. You know, the Canadian government already said, nah. So now they're scrambling to find it. And they, their season starts on Friday in Tampa, which is, you know, um, you know, a blessing in disguise because if they would have to start the season at home, they had no home to start the season at. You know what I mean? Um, and speaking on that, their first home game is scheduled for July 29th. So where are they going to play? All right. Um, as we know, each major league team will play 40 of their 60 games against opponents from their own division. 
So um, speaking about the Pirates, because of PNC Park, the Blue Jays and the Pirates have played 10 games against their um, American League East and National League Central rivals, respectively, because the Blue Jays have played all the teams in their division, and the Pirates have played like the Cardinals, the Cubs, uh, Milwaukee, you know what I mean, like that. So um, that's, that's how that goes down. And then the 20 remaining games are going to be those against the opposite league's corresponding uh, geographic division, meaning like the American League East will play the National League East. The National League Central will play the American League Central. You know what I'm saying? So like the uh, Yankees will play the Mets, Atlanta, um, Miami Marlins, okay? And like the National League Central teams, the Pirates, Cardinals, they would play like the Indians, they would play the White Sox, the Royals, Detroit Tigers, all right? Um, 2020 Major League Baseball postseason is going to have a 10-team format with two team, with two wild cards from each league. Um, again, you know, there's, there's a lot of questions going into this, you know, 60-game shortened season. Um, I, I think I want to get into some picks, just that just to bug out. You know, I got my man, the ubiquitous pretty Bob James in the house with me. You know what I'm saying? And um, we just got to bug out, have some fun with it, because, again, at the end of the day, you could pick the Padres to win the World Series. And people are going to be like, so what? They're not going to be like, you out of your mind and you bugging. Anybody can win this thing. And, it's, and, and, and that's where we are with it. And um, I had a discussion today, man, with one of, one of my people, shout out to Harlem Fresh. And I was explaining it to him, like, it's not like, you know, you got 162 games. You know, you got a marathon. You can afford to have a, you know, three or four game losing streak and still win 110 games. You know what I'm saying? Now it's like you got to come out the gate like gangbusters. Everybody's going to be chasing it. So, again, everybody really starts off at equal footing. So instead of it being a marathon, it's definitely going to be a sprint. You know what I mean? And, and, and we're talking, you know, um, you know, Edwin Moses-type, Carl Lewis-type sprints. 60 games in 66 days, that's going to be a problem. And, again, anything can happen. So – what we're going to do over here tonight, man, after further review 2.0, a.k.a. the sideline pass, is um, we're going to go through the opening day pitching matchups, all right? And we're going to do that. We're going to definitely talk some basketball. I didn't forget about my hockey people. I got you. All right, we're going to get into that. So we're going to rock out, man. I got you till 10 o'clock. I got pretty Bob James in the house. And um, we're going to get busy, man. So that's, that's where we are with it, man. Um, ranking these opening day pitching matchups, man, it's, it's – you know, from the door, you're already going to get a great one tomorrow night. Okay, you're going to get the Yankees, Garrett Cole, against the Nationals, Max Scherzer, all right, which is really an easy call for uh, the top, you know, pitching matchup for opening day. Um, Garrett Cole making his second career opening day start, and his first for the Yankees, so I'm, I'm hyped to charge to see what this is going to be like. Um, you know, remember he signed a $324 million contract for the Yankees. Um, he, he struck out 326 batters last year. 326 batters. That's how many batters that Garrett Cole struck out. Um, that's the most since Randy Johnson struck out 334 back in 2002. All right? And the most since a right-handed pitcher um, since Nolan Ryan struck out 341 back in 1977. All right? um, again, I think, you know, Garrett Cole does what he does. You know, and, and this keeps in the flow. I'm interested in seeing what he does, man. Um, he's going to, you know, be the, uh, uh, a top pitcher in, in Major League Baseball for the next five years. All right? Um, but the best pitcher in baseball over the last five years is Max Scherzer. Okay? Again, 
Um, he does his thing, man. Cy Young Award winner, future Hall of Famer. Um, he got his World Series ring last year. This is year six of his seven-year deal. So, again, um, I think this might be one of the best uh, free agent pitching contracts in history, man, as far as free agency is concerned. Um, but the Yankees, you know, they would love this has. Um, the second, you know, pitching matchup that we're interested in, um, it's opening day, um, is Hin Jun Ryu of the Toronto Blue Jays against Charlie Morton of the Tampa Bay Rays. I, I think um, this is an, a decent pitching matchup. Very good. They're both great pitchers. Um, I think they, you know, the combination of a 2.70 ERA and over 377 innings last year, um, but they're different, you know, with their styles. Okay, Charlie Morton is a power pitcher. Okay, and he does he does his numbers at the age of 36. While you got uh, Ryu, he just does his thing, man. He, he lulls and he rocks batters to sleep with changeups and off-speed pitches. All right? uh, both of them are very effective. They're enjoyable in very different ways. I um I think that um you get an extra kick out of this matchup because Rio is making his first start with the Blue Jays on opening day. Um the Blue Jays did open their wallet to bring this high end starter to their rotation. So again, they're gonna throw him out there on opening day and see what happens. Um the third ranked matchup, we got Mike Soraka of the Atlanta Braves against Jacob DeGrom. Now, I think that, you know, this matchup, you know, is about where it needs to be. Um, because you've got a pitcher, Mike Soraka, who really um, doesn't really give up a lot of home runs. He had the lowest home run rate in the National League as a rookie last year. All right, less than one home run every nine innings. That's a less than a home run a game. Um, he's got a really, really, really heavy sinker, which gives him the chance to be the next Kevin Brown. All right. Um, and again, you know, Jacob DeGrom, we know about him. All right. Now he's trying to become the third pitcher in history to win three straight Cy Young Awards. I uh, joined in uh, Hall of Famers Randy Johnson and Greg Maddox. Each of them won four straight. Right? Um, the back trouble with uh, Jacob DeGrom is not an issue anymore, and he should be ready to do his thing, man, to get back to business on Friday. Um, Johnny Cueto of the Giants against Clayton Kershaw of the Dodgers. This is the fourth uh, pitching matchup this, that we like. This goes back to the OG days. Right? These guys have two... Um, Combined for 14 career opening day starts, nine by Clayton Kershaw, five by Johnny Cueto. All right, um, Cueto. Remember, he missed most of last year with Tommy John surgery, and um, again, you know, you miss him and what he does when he's out there on the mound. He looks like he's really having fun. And uh, Clayton Kershaw is not the Clayton Kershaw that you used to seeing, but he did throw 178 innings last year with a 3.03 ERA. So you know what it is, man. So um, if that's qualifies as a year of decline for you, then give me that. You know what I mean? Um, Madison Bumgarner makes his um, debut with the Arizona Diamondbacks against Chris Paddock of the San Diego Padres. Um, Remember last year, the Padres did not start Paddock on opening day. He wanted to start, but he never really pitched above double A. Um, But there's little doubt that he gets the season opener this year. He pitched to a 3.33 ERA and 142 and two-thirds innings. So that gave him some, you know, some 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 experience to make it do what it do. And um, Madison Bumgarner, we already know the business with him. His first start with his new team is going to be opening day. Remember, he hit two home runs in Arizona on opening day back in 2017 when he was with the Giants. So, again, um, he won't get a chance to hit 
because, you know, they have the universal designated hitter now. So the designated hitter is in both leagues. So we won't get to see Madison Bumgarner do his thing at the plate this year. All right? Um, now we're getting down to the pitchers that you might not really be familiar with, but these guys are really, really good pitchers. Um, Lucas Cialito with the Chicago White Sox and Jose Barrios and the Minnesota Twins. I think that's a very, very good pitching matchup. All right. Um, Giolito had his breakout season last year, and now he ranks among the games truly elite. Okay. Uh, we know Jose Barrios, he's basically a veteran these days, even though he's really the same age as Giolito. Okay. Um, he's, he's really, you know, these two guys represent the future of opening day matchups in baseball. Two very good pitchers in their mid 20s, who are still uh, basically early in their careers. Um, and again, this might not be the last time that these two guys hook up on opening day. So, again, um, you know, we got some, even though they're not, you know, two, three, or, you know, four on top of the list, these are very good pitching matchups that we're talking about right now. Um, number seven, we got Brandon Woodruff of the Milwaukee Brewers against Kyle Hendricks of the Chicago Cubs. This is kind of a situation kind of like Charlie Morton and um, Hinjun Ryu. Um, two very different styles. Brandon Woodruff is a power pitcher. Um, again, he, you know, Ability to get up to triple digits at times, okay? He could get out so you struck out 143 batters and walked only 30 and 121 and two-thirds last year, okay? Then you have Kyle Hendricks is the command pitcher. He's one of the game's preeminent command pitchers. This fastball rocks around mid, you know, the mid-80s, and he's got a, a, a drop-dead change-up, which makes everything work, all right? I mean, in the era of, you know, pitchers who throw 99, 100, 103, um, he makes for, you know, a different and a change of pace as far as, you know, uh, being one of those pitchers who you have to respect. Um, number eight, we got Matthew Boyd and Sonny Gray. Now, Sonny Gray, you know, I was a big Sonny Gray dude. I was a proponent of Sonny Gray. Watched him pitch at Yankee Stadium against Cleveland. Um, I was, I'm a big Sonny Gray fan. But he didn't really pitch good for the Yankees. So, again, I wasn't really, you know, um, happy with that. But I think he's found his place in Cincinnati. Okay, I want to get into the topic of him not being able to stand, the, you know, the bright lights in New York. That's another story. Um, I think this matchup right here with the Tigers and the Cincinnati Reds, Matthew Boyd for the Tigers, Sonny Gray for Cincinnati, this is a real tough matchup. I remember Matthew Boyd struck out 238 batters in 185 and a third last year. All right. Um, ninth highest ERA, 4.56. All right, um, and still, you know, had enough innings to qualify for the ER ERA title. Um, I think, you know, you know, I, I mean, I don't know, man. He, you know, he does his numbers and things of that nature. But I look forward to him being one of those guys that could pitch well for Detroit because a lot of people are not expecting a lot from the Detroit Tigers. Uh, meanwhile, you have Sonny Gray in Cincinnati, who a lot of people are expecting a whole lot of this season. Um, again, he had a Cy Young caliber season last year in his first year with Cincinnati. Um, he brought his slider back to life, all right, which put him back among the game's great pitchers. I right, remember he was a year and a half with the Yankees after really, really doing some great things in Oakland. I was Sonny Gray dude when he was at the Oakland A's. I was like, Sonny Gray is the truth. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, again, he came to New York, and, and, and I really, really was a big Sonny Gray fan. You know, I'm like, Sonny Gray is that guy. But he never really got it together when he was with the Yankees, but now he's in Cincinnati, and it's great to see that um, he's hopefully getting his thing back on track. 
Uh, number nine, we got German Marquez of the Colorado Rockies against Lance Lynn of the Texas Rangers. Uh, Marquez is one of several Rocky pitchers who had a disappointing year last year after he had a, a very, very good 2018. Um, still, he's had 405 strikeouts in the last two years, which are the 13th most in baseball and the 7th most in the National League, and his slider still works. All right? Um, Lance Lynn, you know, he throws so many fastballs, which really kind of makes him a unicorn. All right? Nine out of every ten pitches he threw was some kind of fastball last year. Four seamer, sinker, cutter. You know, and even with all the velocity in the game, uh, pitchers are throwing fewer fastballs. You know, with each season that goes by, that makes Lynn's fastball reliance kind of unique. Um, this is a sneaky great pitching matchup. Okay? Um, these both guys can you know, make it happen where they can go into the seventh inning of this game on opening day with no hitters. All right? Um, number 10, Marco Gonzalez and Justin Verlander. I know you were wondering where Justin Verlander is. He shows up at the number 10 pitching matchup. Um, a lot of power pitcher and finesse pitcher opening day matchups. Martin versus Ryu, Woodruff versus Hendricks. Now we got Verlander versus Gonzalez. All right, Gonzalez's fastball average 88.9 miles an hour last year. Barely ahead of Verlander's slider, which was 87 and a half. Okay, and that's the fun thing about this game. Um, there's no one way to be effective, and you have an extreme difference in styles here, man. You know what I mean? So, again, man, I'm hoping that these um, pitching matchups are interesting, and um, we're going to take a pause for the cause, man. We're in the building. This is Dr. Further Review 2.0, a.k.a. the Stoutlout Patch. Got me, the mayor in the building, holding it down. Get at me on Twitter, at RMDesk. Get at me on Facebook, after Further Review 2.0, a.k.a. Sideline Pass is the name of the group on Facebook, guy. Right? When we come back, man, I'm going to tell you why things are going to be really, 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 really different from a fan viewing perspective, a me and you perspective. We already know it's going to be different for the players, but we'll get in that on the other side. This is after further review, man. 2.0, a.k.a. the Sideline Pass. Shout out to Mookie Betts, man. All right? Let's get it. Canadian Aquatic Auctions, the place to be if you are into anything aquatic. Nelson Fletcher, owner and operator, has years of experience and wants to help you better achieve your aquatic needs and goals. So if you're an aquatic hobbyist and enthusiast, please visit Canadian Aquatic Auctions today. Their public auctions provide a venue to remarket all aquatic-related products, services, and equipment. If you are just starting out in the hobby, the site has a tack room where you can converse with other aquatic hobbyists like yourself. Canadian Aquatic Auctions is the eBay of everything aquatic. So visit Nelson at his site at www.aquariumauctions.ca or go check out his Facebook page as well at www.facebook.com slash Canadian Aquatic Sales. Together we can build lasting relationships that are based on listening and servicing your needs in a professional environment. Canadian Aquatic Auctions. James. For six years, I was a garbage can druggie. I would do any kind of drug I would get my hands on. But here at Teen Challenge, I've walked away from that drug lifestyle for good. If you know an adult or teenager who is struggling with a chemical addiction, Teen Challenge is there to help. Please, don't wait. Call us today at 417-862-6969 or reach us on the web at teenchallengeusa.com.
Gee's Watch and Clock, 106 West Central Avenue, Winter Haven, Florida, 33880. Located downtown across from the main post office. When you're short on time, he's right on time. For all of your watch, clock, sales, and service needs, call Skis, 863-294-5630. Sales, service, free estimates, and reasonable rate. That's 863-294-5630 for Skis, Watch, and Clock. This is our time. We play without limits. We create without rules. We are not for sale. We connect with the whole world. Every idea we've shaped. Every relationship we've cultivated. Belongs to us. We demand the freedom to be our uncensored selves. And when something challenges that, we change it together. This is our time. Let's start a revolution. Let's MeWe. Join the revolution at MeWe.com. Do you want to capture the best memories you can? Is wanting to preserve those memories your goal? Do you want your memories to last a lifetime? Do you want your memories to look beautiful in pictures? Well, if you live in Southern Oregon or Northern California, there's one place that you can save those treasures for a lifetime. Grateful Heart Photography. Abigail Summers is your solution for capturing your favorite moments and memories like birthdays, graduations, weddings, family portraits, single shots, and more. She can also capture the finest scenery shots around and make them available all across the country and around the world at a price that can suit your budget. So if you're looking for the right photographer that can preserve your legacy, look no further than Abigail Summers at Grateful Heart Photography. Call Abby at 541-890-4657. Or message her at her Facebook page by searching Grateful Heart Photography. Much of her work is displayed there. Feel grateful for the memories captured by Grateful Heart Photography. Hi, this is John Therios. If you're looking for action-packed classic fun, look no further than One Nostalgic Weekend. Up in the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! So fasten your seatbelts every week for a trip back into time. Only on One Nostalgic Weekend. Saturdays and Sundays, midnight Eastern, 9 p.m. Pacific on Action VR Network. Where do you see yourself 10 years from now? Are you looking for a great education that's also in a great location? Check out College of the Siskiyous. We offer a variety of career and technical education programs, general education, and personal enrichment classes. With our new Reg 365 process, you can register for any semester, any time of the year. With on-campus housing, an active campus life, competitive athletics, and expert guidance from our highly trained staff, College of the Siskiyous is waiting for you. Call us today.
scoop it up while your feet are stumping. And the jam is pumping. Look ahead, the crowd is jumping. Pump it up a little more. Get the party going on the dance floor. See, cause that's where the party's at. And you find out if you do that. Yo, 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 you know how it go, man. It's Wednesday night. We're in the building doing what we do. After further review, 2.0, a.k.a. the sideline pass. We are in the building, me and Pretty Bob James. In the house, man, rocking out, doing what we do. Um, we do top 10 um, pitching matchups for opening day, which is supposed to set off tomorrow, man. The Yankees doing their thing against the Washington Nationals. And then you got a um, pitching matchup making it happen. Um, with the Dodgers doing their thing, man. Um, I was talking behind the scenes with my man, Bob James, right? And I was telling him, I said, look, you know, I'm trying, you know, exhibition season or whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, summer pitching matchups or whatever you want to call it, whatever they call it. I don't even know. I'm not even interested to tell you the truth, but I try to get into it. And I try to watch it because, you know, I'm a Yankee dude. So I watch you New know, Yankees in the Mets. It's not the same. You know, it goes back to old Janet Jackson song. You don't know what you got till it's gone. Okay? And for me, it's not about the, you know, the guys playing the game or whatever, because we, we get that automatic. It's about the fans. It's the atmosphere. It's the vibe. You know, it's, and it's not the same. You know what I mean? And no matter how they try to duplicate it or replicate it, they can't. And that's what takes away from it. And for me, I can't really get into or get excited without, you know, having that, you know, that atmosphere and wanting to, you know, be there or whatever or just get into that, that thing. And I think a lot of the, the players might feel it too. And, again, it's going to be different. It's going to be different. So, again, the same enthusiasm for even talking about it. For me, I'm just going to keep it a thousand with you. I'm, a key, I'm not really even looking forward to this. Because, again, it's the, you know, I got the bigger picture view. And all it's going to take is somebody to – 
you know, catch this or whatever, you know, and we still deal with it less than 24 hours away from opening day. You know what I'm saying? We still have a team out there that has nowhere to play. And, of course, in the, in, in the TV, you know, commercialized, built-for-miracle society that we're in, you know, at the last second, the Toronto Blue Jays are going to find somewhere to play. They're going to find somewhere to play. So, again, um, you know, it, it goes back to just how different this season, and going forward, not just this season, going forward. When are you going to see another place filled with 50,000, 60,000 people? When are you going to get an, a, another t- a game with 100,000 people at a football game? When? When are you going to get a sold-out arena for a boxing match? When? So, I mean, you know, it, 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 it just so much to be talked about, so much to be discussed. And I think that, you know, um, I have to look at these, you know, people a little different because, again, they put the money before, they, before their own personal safety. So you just have to look at them a little bit different. I do. I don't know about you, but I look at them a whole lot different because I see where, where, I see where your loyalties lie. Okay. So you would rather me out there risking my life, you know, um, than, you know, being, you know, safe and, and prudent about it. And for me, it's like ask some of them owners and some of them people, you know what I mean, to have them go out there and play the game. Would they go out there and play the game? Because they, they don't have to worry about being out there. And that's the, that's the difference. Therein lies the difference. The owners have to worry about going out there and playing. So, again, at the end of the day, man, I think that um, whatever you do is in your own best interest. And, I, you know, you got to respect it. But I think that um, however this thing turns out, man, you know, the longer that the, the sports as a whole, and I'm putting everything under one umbrella, the whole enchilada, the whole marathon, everything. As long as we kind of, you know, and I include myself, I say we, because I talk about it, and I love talking about it. You know what I'm saying? But as long as we all kind of like turn the other cheek, so to speak, and kind of like, you know, we got a little breathing room where we could do X, Y, and Z, it's going to take us that much longer to get back to, you know, where we want to be at an optimum level. So I think that, and, and I've been saying this from day one, and, and Bob can, you know, co-sign it. Um, I think that they should shut. I wouldn't be surprised. I think that they could shut this thing down. They should shut it down. They won't lose no respect from nobody. Won't nobody be mad if they just shut this thing down and just move forward for twenty, you know, twenty twenty one. But um, again, on top of a, you know, great Bob, you you want to say something? Oh, you know how you you already know how I feel about it. Um, the listeners know how I feel about this one. I mean, they would have just better been better off doing some baseball to entertain just to get people hyped up and excited for when it does come back next year. So, you know what, I people already know. I don't need to go into detail of that again. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, it, it just, we're, we're here now. You know what I mean? So this time tomorrow night we'll be watching baseball for what it's worth, Bob. You know what I mean? I'm not hyped. I'm not charged. None of that. None of it. And you can, I mean, I, you know, and again, they're trying to, in their own little way, to get people, you know, you know, um, to anticipate what's getting ready to go down, and it's not the same. You know what I mean? 
But um, we're going to move over to the um, NFL, man, and, and work on some of these storylines. Let's get ready to go down in 2020. And there's a whole bunch of them, all right? Um, it's certainly a weird offseason on top of this, you know, global pandemic that's flipping everything on its head upside down and forcing people to stay in the house and inside 99.9% of the time. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and you know, it's I, I just don't even know, man. The only real sense of, you know, uh, entertainment that we had this year is some crazy dude with his Tigers, you know, the 1990 Chicago Bulls, you know what I'm saying, with the Last Dance Michael Jordan documentary. Um, in the NFL, man, you know, they didn't want to be left out the party. Tom Brady's on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Bill O'Brien for the Houston Texans went berserk and traded DeAndre Hopkins. And Cam Newton is playing quarterback, being coached by Bill Pelichick. And that's just the and that's just the tip of the iceberg, you know. Um, again, um, you know, it's, it's it's a whole bunch of situations that's going on, man. You know, the NFL and the Players Association, um, you know, the Chiefs and their, their their repeat chances and a whole bunch of things going on that we're going to get into for the next few minutes, man. This is after further review two point aka the sideline pass, making it do what it do. Shout out to my people over there at Warm Room Sports, man. I see you, Dev, my man Jim, and the whole unit over there. Salute. I um, salute to my mans and them, the big homies, DMX, Snoop Dogg. They got their versus battle going on over there. Shout out to them. Um, listen, man, back to these NFL storylines. We're going to go through a few of them. And one of them that's interesting to me is Rob Gronkowski. Okay? I mean, you know, he's you know one of the great characters in the league. That's cool, whatever. You know what I mean? Doing his thing when he was with the Patriots or whatever. Now he's with my team. All right. Um, again, you know, him and Tom Brady, I think that was a little over, uh, a little bit of an overkill. Um, but again, I think that, you know, the return of Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski to Tampa Bay and um, them coming down. Um, I'm not really interested in, in seeing this, but I'm a Buccaneers fan. So I got to, you know, make it do what it do. So, if Ron Gronkowski is going to give us some numbers, it's going, he's going to, you know, make us that much better, I'm with it. Because um, when the news came out about how he was going to return to the NFL, um, I was really, really like, okay, that's cool. But when he was all returned to Tampa Bay, I'm like, wow. Um, again, you know, because Gronkowski wasn't really, the, you know, that guy when we last saw him. Remember, back in 2018, Gronkowski was a little bit slower he only caught just four, 47 passes for 682 yards and three touchdowns, all right? And those were some of the lowest numbers of his career, uh, especially when you factor out those years that he played less than 10 games because he was hurt, all right? Um, it's possible that, you know, his injuries were, you know, due to, um, you, know, um, you know, him not doing what he's supposed to do, him not, you know, being on top of his game, but um, that led to his lack of production, Okay. And he's had a year off. So that'll do him a world of, of, of good. Um, if he returns his first team all-pro team all form that was back in 2017, then, you know, Gronkowski is going to have the comeback player of the year wrapped up. And the Buccaneers are going to be, you know, that much more dangerous um, this upcoming season. Um, again, seeing, you know, uh, uh, see how Gronkowski, um, you know, um, 
works around the other two tight ends that we have in Tampa, O.J. Howard and Cameron Brake. You know what I mean? So, again, we'll see how that works. Um, Ryan Tannehill, he got paid this offseason. $118 million deal with Tennessee after taking them to the AFC Championship game. Um, after his you know, career with the Miami Dolphins wasn't really what we wanted it to be. I mean, Tannehill did his thing. He got Marcus Mariota out of Tennessee. All right? And he was arguably the best quarterback in the league. When, you know, he was playing, he led the league in passer rating, 117.5, had the highest yards per passing attempt, 9.6 among all quarterbacks. All right. But again, this is Ryan Tannehill that we're talking about. So again, the question mark has not gone anywhere. Okay. Um, you know, if, you know, this is the Tannehill that we're going to see for the next few years, and Tennessee is going to be a beast. Or if it's just he just had one of those like Brady Anderson years. You know, remember when Brady Anderson hit fifty home runs and never heard from him again. Um and it'd be tough for him to, you know, lead the league again in passer rating. And I don't think really that's a fair um thing to compare him against. But I think that again, he's gonna need to be a whole lot like the quarterback he was last year for him to keep up in the AFC South. Because again, you got Deshaun Watson down in Houston. You got Phillip Rivers in Indianapolis now. So, again, you know, he's going to have to, you know, keep his game on point, word up. And he doesn't have Marcus Mariota anymore because he's in Las Vegas now. Um, the Buffalo Bills. When Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay, everybody jumped out off the Patriots bandwagon and went to the Buffalo Bills. I'm still tripping off the fact that the Buffalo Bills had the Houston Texans beat in Houston, in the playoffs, okay? Um, you know, a crazy stat involving the AFC East, the Indianapolis Colts have won the AFC East more recently than the Buffalo Bills. Did you hear that, Bob? The Indianapolis Colts have won the AFC East more recently than the Buffalo Bills. Wow. The AFC East won. The, Indian, the Indianapolis Colts won the AFC East in 1999. The last time the Buffalo Bills won the AFC East was 1995. And that and was probably. Now, a, go ahead. That was probably at the end of Jim Kelly's career, too. I mean, you know, again, I think that, you know, I was going to say that. People were, you know, really on the Buffalo bandwagon, but not me, man. I think that, you know, I, I really still don't trust Josh Allen. I think it was anything that was going to happen this year before Cam got to the Patriots. I think the Jets were going to step up. You know what I mean? And they added Frank Gore. They, you know, get another year out of Le'Veon Bell. I think Sam Darnold has got some things to prove. You know what I mean? Um, even, you know, they lost Robbie Anderson. But still in all, I think they got some, some pieces to work with that could have got them over the hump in the AFC East. Well, you uh, already know what Buffalo, I think of Darnold. I mean, you know, and I know where you're going with Buffalo, right. too, and I'll definitely let you say that one, too, where he, your piece uh, there that goes. Um, but um, <laughs> Sam Darnold, until until you got Cam there, Sam Darnold was right. probably going to be the best quarterback in the AFC East, and 
but the problem is, is he a difference maker for the Jets? Yes. I just don't think the Jets are giving him enough of a supporting cast. And I, I, I agree with you. And I think that you know, the only reason why I would say if I had to pick, you know, um, Allen or Sam Darnold is because, you know, they, you know, um, Stefan Diggs is in Buffalo now. So he's got another weapon. So, I, you know, and, and again, I think that Buffalo does have a top-rated defense. Their coaching is strong. But it didn't really show, uh, uh, Bob, in that playoff game against Houston, man. It, that, it really didn't show up. You know what I mean? Um, and, again, the worry is about Josh Allen, whether he's going to regress. You know? And, again, if he does regress, it's going to be bad for Buffalo, man. Really, really bad for them because they had everything set up for them. Now, people are kind of, like, looking at them kind of, you know, sideways because you got Cam Newton in New England. So now the, 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 the light and the attention is not going to be on Buffalo. It's going to be on New England. So, again, now, you know, no Tom Brady, no Rob Gronkowski. You know what I'm saying? So now Buffalo is expected to, to do some things. And I'm not really sure that they can, you know, step up and make it happen. Um, the Baltimore Ravens, they're going for the Russian record again. You know, the Ravens are going to be good in 2020. Um, you know, Lamar Jackson is going to continue to play at the MVP level. And, you know, Baltimore is going to do their thing. But, I, you know, I'm going to say this. Um, the Baltimore Ravens, man, I think that sometimes, and Bob, you can chime in on this if you feel, sometimes you're too good for your own good. Does that make sense when it, yeah, when it comes to the Baltimore Ravens? Yeah, yeah, no, no, you, I, it, it makes total sense. And I'm, right, I'm going to elaborate on that a little bit more. I, I'm just going to explain it, to clarify it a little bit more. I think that as good as the Ravens are, and not taking nothing away from them at all, my guy, I think that, you know, 13-3, and 14-2, and two, you get the home field advantage, you get a week off, that does not do, that does not help the Ravens. I think Lamar Jackson is a creature of habit. Okay, so now... Bob, and, and, and again, I know there's a lot of Baltimore Ravens fans out there, but let's keep it a 1,000, okay? Lamar Jackson's been great, you know what I mean? Decent in his first year, great in year two, you know what I'm saying? Now it's year three. But now, you know, we've seen in the last two years from Lamar Jackson, we've seen greatness in the regular season, but we haven't seen anything in the playoffs. This is two years now. This is two years now, okay? Um, again, with the Ravens, you know, I think, you know, their rush, the, the Russian record they're going for again, um, they broke the record last year with 3,296 yards on the ground, and that record stood for like 41 years, okay? Um, I think the Patriots were back, you know, in 78, they rushed for over 3,100 yards. But again, man, I think that, you know, they have to learn how to kind of like, you know, um, spread themselves equally, Okay do all that thing, break all those records in the regular season, and then flame out at home after a week off in the playoffs. Come on, yo. Come on, man. You know? Uh, but again, going back to the Russian record thing, you know, Baltimore not only, you know, kept all the main pieces that they had, you know, Lamar's, the Mark Ingram's, those guys, you know, um, uh, uh, Justice Hill, um, Gus Edwards, they drafted J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State in the second round to go with that. Hell so, yeah. again, um, you know, having that many, you know, skilled running backs and a quarterback who's just as nice is, is going to be crazy. And the Ravens are going to have to do everything 
again, you know, breaking the record. For sh- you know what I mean? And um, again, that you know, and, and I'm not, you know, um, you know, our people are saying you hating and all that. Nah, I'm telling the truth. You saw it just like I did. So where's the lie? You know. Um, now I'm going to get into the uh, L.A. Chargers a little bit. Justin Herbert. Is he going to get into the starting lineup this year? Um, you know, uh, Justin Herbert was a top 10 pick. And I don't really hear a lot of people talking about him. And the last time I watched Justin Herbert was in that, was it, what was it, Bob? I, talk, I think I talked about it on the show. Um, the set was it the San Francisco Bowl when he didn't show up. I think Oregon was playing Stanford. I think his first three passes, interception. Like, this is not the Justin Herbert they be talking about. Who is this guy? Exactly. You know I mean? Yeah. And uh, man, he was garbage, you know. But um, again, um, he's you know approaching his rookie season um, with the LA Chargers, you know, and even you know Jordan Love in Green Bay is getting more attention than Justin Herbert, you know. And we're not going to see him for probably in another two years. So um, you know, even with Tyrod Taylor um, set to be the Week One starter for the Chargers, man, and probably for the first you know few weeks of the season. Um, it's going to be more probable, I think, that we'll see Herbert at some point over, um, you know, a guy that, you know, a lot of people really can't wait to see down in your neck of the woods, Bob, down in Miami in Tuatag Lilboa. Um, again, you know, Herbert had a nice senior bowl. He showed, you know, that he can make plays with his feet along with his arm. But the question is, when will we actually see that in the NFL, you know? Um, you know, the Chargers are entering a new stadium. They're going to need to put some, you know, a winning product on the field ASAP. You know, um, again, the advantage that they have is, you know, um, Anthony Lynn did, you know, uh, work with Tyrod Taylor previously, and he has worked with him. Um, the Chargers do have a stellar defense. And, again, um, if and when Tyrod Taylor starts to struggle, um, it's going to be really a tough call. You know, are we going to bring Justin Herbert in, or are we going to let Tyrod Taylor play through his difficulties? So again, man, it's going to be something worth worth watching out there in LA. Um, Drew Brees and Tom Brady, we get that twice a year now. All right, they're in the same division with each other. Um, you know, I, I, what do you do? You know, both Tom Brady and Drew Brees passed Peyton Manning's all-time touchdown record last year. And now these two legends are going to be, you know, fighting it out every week for the all-time lead as they enter the final years of their career. Drew Brees currently holds the record with 547 touchdowns, but Brady is right behind him with 541. So it's going to be interesting, you know, as we go. And they play each other week one, all right, Tampa Bay at New Orleans. So we're going to see from the door, you know, what it is if, if, if Brees can hold Brady off or Brady can – Chop into that to that to that lead that Drew Brees has over him. I think it was six. Um, you know Brady now he's in the NFC South. You have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. You know we talked about Rob Gronkowski. We talked about OJ Howard, Cameron Bray, and Drew Brees has Michael Thomas. He has Emmanuel Sanders now. You know and don't forget about Alvin Kamara coming out the backfield. So again, um, these two guys, Drew Brees and Tom Brady, will be going head to head twice a year. History on the line with each and every pass. So I think that's going to be something that's going to be very interesting to watch um, as this se- if we get this season started. You know, um, Derek Carr versus Marcus Mariota. You know what I mean? Quarterback, you know, uh, situation in Las Vegas. All right. Um, 
Remember, we talked about earlier Marcus Mariota, um, you know, lost his job, was beaten out by Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee. All right. Um, again, Mariota decided that, you know, he was going to be able to move on with his career, and he joined Las Vegas Raiders um, to back up Derek Carr. Um, I think, you know, Mariota now, he has to prove that maybe he could be the 2020 version of, you know, Ryan Tannehill and beat Derek Carr out. I like Derek Carr. I think Derek Carr was on his way to being one of the top quarterbacks in the league before he broke his leg. Okay? So, um, again, I think that, you know, Derek Carr is not going to forget that the Raiders were, you know, looking to try to sign Tom Brady. You know what I'm saying? So, a lot is on his mind. Um, Mariota is dealing, you know, with a change of scenery. Um, and, again, you know, Mike Mayock, who's the GM out there in Vegas, he, you know, he likes Marcus Mariota. And hopefully he'll be able to tap into some of that potential. Okay. Um, would it be a surprise if he pushed Derek Carr for the job at some point? No. Mariota is in the conversation about the job in Las Vegas. That means Derek Carr is not doing what he's supposed to do. He's got weapons. He's got no excuses. And I think that um, a little competition at the quarterback uh, position, it does wonders. You know what I mean? It's either going to light a fire up under you or it's going to expose you for the bum that you are. And I, and, and I use that term very, 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 very strongly because if you're the number one quarterback, you're getting paid number one quarterback money and you're worrying about somebody coming in and challenging you and you don't step up to the challenge, then it wasn't meant to be for you in the first place. Okay? Um, we're entering the Blake Jarwin era in Dallas at tight end, okay? Um, Jason Witten's second stint with the Cowboys came to a close this offseason. He signed a one-year deal with the Raiders, all right? Um, this opens up an opportunity for uh, Blake Jarwin, who was in his fourth year, and um, hopefully he could possibly be a, a breakout candidate because you know that the, the Cowboys like to rely on their tight end play, all right? Um, over the past few years, Jarwin's put up basically modest production, Um He's total 58 catches for 672 yards and six touchdowns. He doesn't really have any competition around him. Um, the starting spot appears to be his. But, again, he's going to be fighting for targets with uh, pass catchers like Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and then you've got rookie C.D. Lamb on the scene. So, again, I think that um, even if, you know, um, Blake Jarwin can get half of those 83 targets that Jason Witten had in 2019, he could turn those into something um, – he should be in line for a, a really, really um, a, a jump in his uh, in his stats. Um, you know, the Cowboys gave him his money. They signed him to a three-year, $24.25 million extension back in March. So, again, that's another story to watch. Um, we're going to take a pause for cause, man. We're going to have a few more stories to watch. We're going to stay on the NFL a little bit, get into a little NBA, and I didn't forget my hockey people. We're in the building, man. We're here till 10 after further review. 2.0, a.k.a. the Sauron Pass. We are in the building. Let's get it. Canadian Aquatic Auctions, the place to be if you are into anything aquatic. Nelson Fletcher, owner and operator, has years of experience and wants to help you better achieve your aquatic needs and goals. So if you're an aquatic hobbyist and enthusiast, please visit Canadian Aquatic Auctions today. Their public auctions provide a venue to remarket all aquatic-related products, services, and equipment. If you are just starting out in the hobby, the site has a tack room where you can converse with other aquatic hobbyists like yourself. 
Canadian Aquatic Auctions is the eBay of everything aquatic. So visit Nelson at his site at www.aquariumauctions.ca or go check out his Facebook page as well at www.facebook.com slash Canadian Aquatic Sales. Together we can build lasting relationships that are based on listening and servicing your needs in a professional environment. Canadian Aquatic Auctions. My name's James. For six years, I was a garbage can druggie. I would do any kind of drug I would get my hands on. But here at Teen Challenge, I've walked away from that drug lifestyle for good. If you know an adult or teenager who is struggling with a chemical addiction, Teen Challenge is there to help. Please, don't wait. Call us today at 417-862-6969 or reach us on the web at teenchallengeusa.com. Skis Watch and Clock, 106 West Central Avenue, Winter Haven, Florida, 33880. Located downtown across from the main post office. When you're short on time, he's right on time. For all of your watch, clock, sales, and service needs, call Skis, 863-294-5630. Sales, service, free estimates, and reasonable rate. That's 863-294-5630 for Skis Watch and Clock. This is our time. We play without limits. We create without rules. We are not for sale. We connect with the whole world. Every idea we've shaped Every relationship we've cultivated belongs to us. We demand the freedom to be our uncensored selves. And when something challenges that, we change it together. This is our time. Let's start a revolution. Let's MeWe. Join the revolution at MeWe.com. Do you want to capture the best memories you can? Is wanting to preserve those memories your goal? Do you want your memories to last a lifetime? Do you want your memories to look beautiful in pictures? Well, if you live in Southern Oregon or Northern California, there's one place that you can save those treasures for a lifetime. Grateful Heart Photography. Abigail Summers is your solution for capturing your favorite moments and memories like birthdays, graduations, weddings, family portraits, single shots, and more. She can also capture the finest scenery shots around and make them available all across the country and around the world at a price that can suit your budget. So if you're looking for the right photographer that can preserve your legacy, look no further than Abigail Summers at Grateful Heart Photography. Call Abby at 541-890-4657 or message her at her Facebook page by searching Grateful Heart Photography. Much of her work is displayed there. Feel grateful for the memories captured by Grateful Heart Photography. 
Hi, this is John Therios. If you're looking for action-packed classic fun, look no further than One Nostalgic Weekend. Up in the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! So fasten your seatbelts every week for a trip back into time. Only on One Nostalgic Weekend. Saturdays and Sundays, midnight Eastern, 9 p.m. Pacific on Action VR Network. Where do you see yourself 10 years from now? Are you looking for a great education that's also in a great location? Check out College of the Siskiyous. We offer a variety of career and technical education programs, general education, and personal enrichment classes. With our new Reg 365 process, you can register for any semester, any time of the year. With on-campus housing, an active campus life, competitive athletics, and expert guidance from our highly trained staff, College of the Siskiyous is waiting for you. Call us today. Wednesday, man, hump day. You know how we give it up sometimes, man. We come at you how we come at you, but we're still coming at you. You know what I mean? I got pretty Bob James. As we do, um, baseball season starts tomorrow, for what it's worth. All right. Um, before the break, we were talking about some storylines going into the uh, 2020 season. Um, and one storyline that I really don't hear people talk about too much. Um, is the return of Ben Roethlisberger. Now, I mean, you know, with the Pittsburgh Steelers, man, you know, and how they move, um, they're definitely the sleeping giant of the AFC that nobody's talking about. And if you are talking about it, you need to talk louder because I don't hear you. And I hear everybody. Okay? Um, remember, Ben Roethlisberger missed 
you know, a bunch of the season last year due to an elbow injury. But um, he's been recovering and he's been throwing at least since the middle of May. Um, again, you know, um, you know, from the outside looking in, it seems that he's doing his thing as far as his progress, his return and, um, is, is imminent. Um, he's saying himself, uh, quote, there's no doubt so I'm going to be able to come back and play well. Um, none, unquote. Um, you know, I think if Roethlisberger is able to return to his, you know, former self, the Steelers are going to be a definite problem. All right? They almost made the playoffs last year, even though without him. And they didn't have, really have the best quarterback, you know, in play in the world with Mason Rudolph and Devlin Duck Hodges. All right? Um, the Steelers' defense held it together, uh, you know, being only outperformed by the Patriots and the 49ers as far as defensively. Um, again, as long as that, you know, defensive unit for the Steelers stays within the top five, you know, I, I don't see them, you know, doing too much if they fall outside of that top seven or eight. So if they, as long as they stay a top-ranked defense and Roethlisberger is either, you know, fully back or close to his typical play, you know how Ben likes to extend plays and things of that nature, um, the Steelers can make some noise this year. They could definitely make some noise this year. So, again, um, hopefully that Ben Roethlisberger can come back and make the AFC North very, very interesting, you know, with Baltimore and, and Cleveland and Cincinnati with Joe Burrow. So, that division, look at that division with the quarterbacks. Roethlisberger, Lamar that's, Jackson. And that's going to become you know, the big thing Bob. there. And that's going to become the big thing with the Steelers. Looking for a new quarterback. I mean, you know, yeah, Mason Rudolph is definitely <laughs> – the sharper of the two backups. He's definitely the sharper of the quarterbacks, but, uh, and he can make plays happen. Even when he's, uh, even when he's going down for a tackle, he can make a, uh, throw happen. But I gotta say, you know, with, uh, with all of it, you almost wonder, are they going to settle and try and coddle Mason Rudolph just to see if he'll get better? Or are they going to, are they going to really start shopping for quarterbacks and even considering, where they can pick one up in the draft. Well, I think that, you know, that question kind of answers itself a little bit because, you know, Mason Rudolph didn't get a shot. He got a shot last year. We saw what happened. You know what I mean? So, again, it's going to, you know, we said this, we talked about this earlier in the show. It's up to, you know, Mason Rudolph to step his game up. You know, he had a chance to kind of like, you know, make people, you know, um, imagine him as the future of the Pittsburgh Steelers at the quarterback position. But he didn't do it. So now Ben is back. And, 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 you know, he's going through another year. So, again, you know, it's going to be on Tomlin and what they do in Pittsburgh, you know, um, as far as the future of the quarterback player. They're going to look in the draft. You know what I mean? Are they going to, you know, um, try to ride it out with Nathan Rudolph and, you know, either Duff Hodges give him another, another shot at it, you know, where he can, you know, prove his worth. But I think that um, whatever the Steelers do, they're going to have to, you know, this season is dependent on how they move going forward. I say it like that with the Pittsburgh Steelers, man. Um, and I think that a lot of people are sleeping on Ben Roethlisberger. I, I think that I, I want to see Ben Roethlisberger, you know, come back to his old form, extending plays and, you know, hitting those receivers and, 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 and making noise to the Pittsburgh Steelers because, again, you know, waiting for the draft. What are the names out there as far as quarterbacks, you know, in this upcoming draft? Um, you know, Trevor Lawrence is the big fish out there. Uh, Justin Fields from Ohio State, right? Uh, who else? We got Jamie Newman from Georgia. 
okay? Um, um, Derek King from Miami, Trey Lance at North Dakota State. So you got some names out there. But again, at the end of the day, I think it's up to, you know, uh, Mason Rudolph to make some things happen. And people are going to remember what happened last year, okay, with the Miles Garrett situation. So that, you know, weighs a lot in on the situation as well. So it's a lot, you know, a lot popping with that situation, though. Um, Matthew Stafford, he's another guy that nobody really talks about, okay? Because before he got his back hurt, he was playing himself into the MVP, you know, conversation, all right? Um, out, you know, through eight games last year, he was averaging 312 yards a game, second, which was second best in the league, okay? He had 106 passer rating. That was just outside the top five, okay? They had him, you know, ranked as, you know, uh, our fourth best quarterback in the league during that time. All right? Being ahead, uh, only ones who were ahead of him was Drew Brees, Lamar Jackson, and Patrick Mahomes. So, again, if Matthew Stafford can come back healthy and remain so, I think, you know, Detroit is going to be a, a sneaky situation for them because it's not going to be out of the question for him uh, to jump back into the MVP conversation if he plays well. All right, he's going to have Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones to throw the ball to, and Danny Amendola. All right, and they just drafted DeAndre Swift from Georgia. Okay, so you got a Georgia quarterback, you got a quarterback from Georgia in Matthew Stafford, you got a running back from Georgia, DeAndre Swift. So the familiarity could be there. Um, again, Detroit is going to be looking for TJ Hawkinson. Remember, I talked about him last year, Bob, because we did the draft show, and I told and I said I said the Detroit Lions are going to take TJ Hawkinson. And they drafted him. So, again, um, you know, another year, he, he's, he's got some experience now, and he's going to be another weapon in the passing game for Detroit. So there's plenty of firepower. It's just going to be about, you know, staying healthy. All right? And then that, you know, that NFC North, um, again, Green Bay, Minnesota, and I'm not really going to worry about the Chicago Bears. But I think that, you know, Matthew Stafford being 32 years old, um, you know, he still can – have, you know, have his better days could be ahead of him, all right? Um, Second-year quarterback leaps, and we're not going to really get into Kyler Murray, all right? We're going to talk about some other guys. Um, I think that it'll be interesting to see how Daniel Jones from the Giants, Dwayne Haskins from Washington, Drew Locke from Denver, and Gardner Minshew of Jacksonville, um, those guys, each of those quarterbacks started at least five games last year, all right? This is going to be a critical year, too, for all of them, all right? Um, remember, the Giants stunned a lot of people taking Daniel Jones at number six overall. He did show some flashes last year. Um, he, you know, given that he just went through an offseason that was basically all virtual, it's going to be, you know, curious to see how he vibes with, you know, Joe Judge as a new head coach and a new offensive coordinator in Jason Garrett, okay? Um, one situation to monitor for Daniel Jones is going to be the, the way that he improves on holding on to the football because he had a uh, Tiki Barber problem last year, fumbled the ball 18 times, okay? Um, Dwayne Haskins, he's also having a new coach, and Ron Rivera, outside of the other things that they got going on in Washington, okay, um, unlike last year, I think Dwayne Haskins is going to be looked at the, as the starter from day one of this season. Um, I think, you know, we're going to be interested to see if he was that 2019 first rounder of the you know, last two starts. Remember, he was you know, doing his thing in the, in the last two games of the season. He 
completed 72% of his passes for 394 yards, four touchdowns, and zero interceptions, all right, in weeks 15 and 16 of last year. So, again, if he could give, give Washington um, that type of efficiency in 2020, they can, you know, say that they found their quarterback in the future. And then the Rivera era will be off to a strong start. But if not, um, they might be in the market for some of those quarterbacks that we were talking about um, that are coming up in the 2021 draft. Um, Drew Locke, he started the fewest games out of these, uh, these four quarterbacks, but it was you know, really the most impressive, all right, even though he had really a small sample size. He went 4-1 and one as a starter for the Broncos, completed 64% of his passes for over 1,000 yards, seven touchdowns, three interceptions. You know what Denver did on offense around him. You know what they did. All right, Denver went crazy. Jerry Judy, number one pick from Alabama, wide receiver. Okay? Doing their thing. All right, Melvin Gordon from the Chargers and running back. So the Broncos are going to be loaded. All right? Um, so, you know, Drew Locke should really, really um, have, have a good year this year. Watch out for the Broncos. They could make some noise. Um. Gardner Minshew, he is that dude, man. He's like the, the Uncle Drew, if people are familiar with uh, um, um, Napoleon Dynamite, okay? If you, if you know about Napoleon Dynamite, you know about Uncle Drew. And when you see Gardner Minshew, he, he reminds you exactly of that. Um, he showed potential. There was also moments where he looked like, you know, the six-round draft choice that he was. Um. If he and the Jaguars struggle this season, um, in which probably they will, they'll be looking at a, a very, very high draft choice We could land them a Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. You know what I mean? So, again, talking about that, man, you know, you wish all these kids luck, man, in doing what they do. Some of them, you know, catch it you know, and, and get it more than others, you know. And, um, again, these, these, these moves and these decisions and, how these quarterbacks play can dictate the um, the um, future for these franchises, man. Five, ten years down the road, man. So again, um, it's, it's going to be um, it's going to be very, very important for these kids to, to kind of at least you know step up. But this season is different. I mean, they're going to have to get everybody's going to have to get a mulligan this year. Everybody, everybody's going to have to get a mulligan this year. So again, it goes back to our original conversation about why you even play it. You know, but, um, again, it is what it is, man. Hopefully that um, this season can go well and um, we won't be talking about how the NFL or any other sports league had to cancel or shut down their season again. All right? Um, we're going to you know, change gears and go to the NBA a little bit, man. This is, and this is the one for me, the NBA. All right? Um, 2019-2020 season will resume at Disney World on July 30th. All right, 22 teams are in Orlando. We already know they're going to quarantine for 36 to 48 hours, hold the training camps, and then they're going to do the inter-squad scrimmage thing. You know what I mean? Um, I think that what that is right now, it's, it's a means to an end. And when I say means to an end, it's where, you know, you don't, want the worst scenario to happen. You don't. You know? And you're seeing, you know, certain guys that have, you know, left their team due to family situations and things of that nature. 
And um, we understand what it is right now. It's no getting around the fact that it's a money grab for the NBA. You know, um, you know the stories about the players being upset with the food and, you know, doing what they have to do and not being able to fly their uh, – let me see. How could I say this, Bob? Um, not being able to fly their um, their personal fans in from, you know, different cities and things of that nature. So, again, man, it's a lot of stuff that yeah, that is being shut down in this bubble, and players are really kind of, you know, showing that they're, they're disenfranchisement, if that's a word, with what's going on at the bubble, man. Um, again, you know, some players are, are, are um, you know, choosing not to play due to family matter situations or just choosing not to, you know, um, you know, jeopardize what they have at home and their families and things of that nature. So, again, man, I, I'm not mad at it. I just think that um, this situation is different, and we need to um, kind of really look into the players and their uh, viability and being able to perform in seasons in the upcoming future because this season is, is a wash, man. But enough of that, man. I want to get into the situation with Kevin Garnett and his situation with uh, potentially buying the Minnesota Timberwolves with a group of investors, all right? Um, the, the, the current owner, Glenn Taylor, has already uh, explored several options as far as possibly selling his team. Um, he's owned the Timberwolves since 1994. Um, the Minnesota Vikings owner Ziggy Wolf is also a serious candidate to buy the team. Um, Kevin Garnett has really, you know, he's expressed interest in buying the, the Timberwolves for a long time. Um, the first and last NBA team he played for. All right. Um, again, he wants to take on a bigger role in Minnesota's basketball operation upon his retirement, you know. And uh, again, it's it's like, when they hired Tom Thibodeau as head coach and president of basketball operations, that really kind of ended any chance of that happening. Okay. Um, again, it's, it's, I think, you know, not being able to see eye to eye and, and, and work in, in, in concert with people who you lock, are supposed to be in lockstep with, it's, it really just adds uh, another dimension and the dynamic to what goes on. And so now that Thibodeau is, um, no longer around, and um, again, Minnesota went through a situation when they had to, you know, experience the death of Tim Saunders. Okay, um, and, and you know, all of that really bothered Garnett. You know how close those guys were, and he was upset at the fact that Flip Saunders didn't have a, a banner in the Target Center. I, I mean, you know, what's wrong with him saying that? He, he earned it, you know. Um, Again, I think that, you know, eventually giving, you know, son is a banner in 2018 and, and his son, uh, Ryan, you know, um, now coaches the Minnesota Timberwolves. But I think that um, Kevin Garnett wants a fresh start if he wants to go into ownership. I don't think he would want to go into ownership with Glenn Taylor. I don't think he would want to be partners with Glenn Taylor. I think that he wants to be part of a situation that buys him out. Okay. Um, again, for the NBA, I think they would surely be interested in having Kevin Garnett, you know, being, you know, the, 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 at the ownership position and in, in, in executive position in Minnesota. Um, right now, only currently has one black governor, and that's Michael Jordan of the Charlotte Hornets. So I think Minneapolis, you know, um, where some social reform and 
um, social justice needs to happen. Hey, man, again, um, we know what's been going on in Minnesota. Um, and having a, a, a beloved player like Kevin Garnett running the team, I think will be a very important step in um, diversifying the league's, you know, largely, you know, white leadership. Okay? Let's call it what it is, you know? And I think that, you know, when you want to talk about the NBA's future, this could be something that could be um, start the, you know, the dynamic towards moving towards a better situation, you know? Um, I'm not really, I don't really care if Kevin Garnett would be the majority owner, even though it would be dope if he was, you know? Um, he was the highest ever NBA salary earner during his playing career at the time when he retired. But it's still a, a, a large gap from the billions of dollars that a modern NBA team is worth. I um, remember Michael Jordan, he bridged that gap, you know what I mean, with the, you know, the, the sneakers and all that other stuff. And then LeBron James, he has a you know, really, really diverse portfolio, um, which is positioning him to do um, what Garnett is trying to do one, you know, one day. Um, Kevin Garnett's net worth and his investing capacity is, is not really um, known right now. So I think that um, he would be, at the very least, a prominent voice in any group, if he does not end up as, you know, the, the majority um, owner of the team. But still, um, this is still in this early stage, and it's not really any guarantee that this is going to happen. Um, again, um, you know, what works in Kevin Garnett's favor, favor is that um, Glenn Taylor vowed not to allow any new owner to move the team. So, again, um, with a limited pool of possible owners, especially during, you know, what we're doing through right now, this global pandemic, which is probably really cutting to the power, you know what I mean, that Glenn Taylor may have had or many of the other owners would have had. So this could be, you know, Kevin Garnett's chance to have a, you know, set that goal that he set for himself to own the team that drafted him 25 years ago. All right? This is After Further Review, man, 2.0, a.k.a. the sideline pass. We're going to take one more pause for the cause. we got pretty Bob James in the house. When we come back, we're going to talk some hockey. We're going to talk some more football a little bit, man, and we're going to get into some more things, man. Three-minute rant, we got you. All right, just after further review, 2.0, a.k.a. the South Route Pass. Get at me at RMDS on Twitter. Shout out to No Knock Us Radio, man. Let's go. Canadian Aquatic Auctions, the place to be if you are into anything aquatic. Nelson Fletcher, owner and operator, has years of experience and wants to help you better achieve your aquatic needs and goals. So if you're an aquatic hobbyist and enthusiast, please visit Canadian Aquatic Auctions today. Their public auctions provide a venue to remarket all aquatic-related products, services, and equipment. If you are just starting out in the hobby, the site has a tack room where you can converse with other aquatic hobbyists like yourself. Canadian Aquatic Auctions is the eBay of everything aquatic. So visit Nelson at his site at www.aquariumauctions.ca or go check out his Facebook page as well at www.facebook.com slash Canadian Aquatic Sales. Together we can build lasting relationships that are based on listening and servicing your needs in a professional environment. Canadian Aquatic Auctions. My name's James. For six years, I was a garbage can druggie. I would do any kind of drug I would get my hands on. But here at Teen Challenge, I've walked away from that drug lifestyle for good. If you know an adult or teenager who is struggling with a chemical addiction, Teen Challenge is there to help. 
Please don't wait. Call us today at 417-862-6969 or reach us on the web at teenchallengeusa.com. Ski's Watch and Clock, 106 West Central Avenue, Winter Haven, Florida, 33880. Located downtown across from the main post office. When you're short on time, he's right on time. For all of your watch, clock, sales, and service needs, call Ski's, 863-294-5630. Sales, service, free estimates, and reasonable rate. That's 863-294-5630 for Ski's Watch and Clock. This is our time. We play without limits. We create without rules. We are not for sale. We connect with the whole world. Every idea we've shaped Every relationship we've cultivated belongs to us. We demand the freedom to be our uncensored selves. And when something challenges that, we change it together. This is our time. Let's start a revolution. Let's MeWe. Join the revolution at MeWe.com. Do you want to capture the best memories you can? Is wanting to preserve those memories your goal? Do you want your memories to last a lifetime? Do you want your memories to look beautiful in pictures? Well, if you live in Southern Oregon or Northern California, there's one place that you can save those treasures for a lifetime. Grateful Heart Photography. Abigail Summers is your solution for capturing your favorite moments and memories like birthdays, graduations, weddings, family portraits, single shots, and more. She can also capture the finest scenery shots around and make them available all across the country and around the world at a price that can suit your budget. So if you're looking for the right photographer that can preserve your legacy, look no further than Abigail Summers at Grateful Heart Photography. Call Abby at 541-890-4657 or message her at her Facebook page by searching Grateful Heart Photography. Much of her work is displayed there. Feel grateful for the memories captured by Grateful Heart Photography. Hi, this is John Therios. If you're looking for action-packed classic fun, look no further than One Nostalgic Weekend. Up in the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! I'm Superman! So fasten your seatbelts every week for a trip back into time. Only on One Nostalgic Weekend. Saturdays and Sundays, midnight Eastern, 9 p.m. Pacific on Action VR Network. Where do you see yourself 10 years from now? 
Are you looking for a great education that's also in a great location? Check out College of the Siskiyous. We offer a variety of career and technical education programs, general education, and personal enrichment classes. With our new Reg 365 process, you can register for any semester, any time of the year. With on-campus housing, an active campus life, competitive athletics, and expert guidance from our highly trained staff, College of the Siskiyous is waiting for you. Call us today. Leaving. Um, football, we talked about that. We talked some basketball and stuff like that. 
Um, I want to get into some hockey a little bit because I mean, you know, they they're really gonna you know get into what they need to get into. I think you know the um, Seattle franchise has you know been on on pause to this situation going on with the coronavirus and um, there's been a you know problem with the trademarks and as far as you know selecting a team name for them um, and you know um, the awards you know as far as the um, MVP and the heart finalists and all those you know situations going on those are being announced but um, I want to talk about examining the east and west matchups just going through it really quick man you know what I mean I'm go through them and um, because that's going to start really soon. And uh, we want to you know talk about that a little bit. Um, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Okay. They're um, number five in the East. Okay. And they're going to play the um, Montreal Canadian. Okay. When, when the NHL does return um, the Pittsburgh Penguins, they are led by Sidney Crosby and Johnny Malkin. I, um, you know, Patrick Hornquist and those guys. Um, I think the uh, Montreal Canadiens, um, you know, they were ranked 19th in offense against the team, and the Pittsburgh Penguins is going to be 10th at the break. Uh, so considering the injuries that they had, you know, this could be a situation that Pittsburgh could take advantage of. Um, neither team has been really great on the man advantage this year. The Pittsburgh ranked 16th in the league at power play efficiency, and Montreal ranked 22nd. Um, I think the ceiling is higher for Pittsburgh. Uh, given that they have elite playmakers and they have guys that can finish, right? Pittsburgh also ranks higher in penalty kills. So I think Pittsburgh is going to do what they do. And in, in, in that series, as far as goaltending, um, it's been a weak spot for both teams. Matt Murray was a mess for the Penguins before he lost his starting drive to Tristan Jerry, okay? Um, Carey Price for Montreal has been one of the most high-profile goalies in the league. And hasn't really lived up to his reputation for a few years. Let's keep it. A, let's keep it real. The Carey Price, you know what I mean. So this could be a series where you know he could get back into prominence and put himself back in you know uh, in, in, in the conversation. Um, the Carolina Hurricanes against the New York Rangers. All right, the Rangers hold the edge by the numbers, but I think that Carolina has a more balanced offensive attack. And what happens with uh, Carolina is their goaltending. I think that it has a um, really, if any niche in their or uh, chink in their armor, that's where it would be. Peter Mezarek has had a mediocre year. Um, he had an under 900 save percentage, all right, during, you know, Hurricanes, you know, run to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. So, um, you know, you don't know what you're going to get in goal for Carolina. As far as the Rangers, you know, still Henry Lundqvist, you know what I mean, Alexander Georgiev and rookie Igor Shisterkin, um doing their thing. You know, Lundqvist, you know, does his numbers in the playoffs, but really has to have a postseason start since 2017. Shesterkin has the best numbers, but, you know, he has really a small sample size. He had a 10-2 record with a, a 9.32 save percentage, but he only, had, he only had 12 starts. So, again, I think this is going to be a good series, but I think the Hurricanes, um, unless the Rangers really, really play above their heads, uh, especially in goal, um, this, this might be, you know, a situation might be a little tough for the Rangers. You've got the Islanders and the Panthers. You know, um, the Islanders play defensively. Um, and, you know, offensive production has been a weak spot for them. They lost John Tavares, all right? Uh, and really their success is really based on them scoring just enough to get by. 
You know what I mean? And it really put, you know, rarely put on an explosive show. Right? They've only ranked 22nd in goals per game and 28th in shots per game. So I don't even take that many shots. So, again, I think that, you know, Florida can bring something to the table with them, um, especially they've invested a lot of money in Sergei Bobrovsky, all right, um, in the hopes that he, you know, finally give them somebody that can be steady and reliable in goal for them, you know. So, again, I think that what the um, Islanders need to do here is show um, everybody that they can, you know, uh, be that team that people look for them to be, even though their goaltending is taking a bit of a slide. Um, since finishing with the league's best duo last year, all right? So we'll see what happens with the Islanders and, and, and their situation going on against the Florida Panthers. Um, Toronto against Columbus Blue Jackets. You know what it is with Toronto. They got one of the league's most potent explosive offensive units, Austin Matthews, John Tavares, I, William Nylander, Mitch Marner. They rank third in the league in goals per game, sixth in the league in shots per game, so they're going to come at you. You know what I'm saying? Um, again, defensively for Toronto, that's their um, that's their Achilles heel. All right, um, it's been that way in the last you know few years. They got some individual talent on the blue line, but again, they need to really step that thing up. You know, Columbus, they've done a good job. You know, as far as you know, limiting you know opponents' goals, they rank third in the league in goals allowed and seventh in the league in shots allowed. Okay, remember Columbus could also get a huge boost from the return of Seth Jones was one of the best young defensemen in the game today. So, again, um, you put Toronto's scoring talent, especially what they have up front, against what Columbus could do on the back line, and that makes for an interesting series to watch. And we talk about the goaltending. Frederick Anderson in Toronto's had a real rough year. All right, a 90 uh, save percentage in 52 games this year. He's capable, but, again, you know, what happens with him is not really his fault, given what's in front of him. But I think that Toronto's going to need more if they're going to make a serious run in the East and, you know, when it comes to the Stanley Cup. Um, Columbus lost, you know, uh, Igor Bravosky, but they haven't really missed him, okay? Um, the kid Elvis Lazerkland has emerged as a breakout star, averaging a .923 save percentage, all right? And he's a rookie. So remember what happened with the St. Louis Blues and their rookie last year. All right? Um, so that's what's going down in the East, man. So, again, this is After Further Review, man, 2.0, a.k.a. the sideline pass. We are in the building. We talk about it like this every Tuesday night. But, you know, we're going on a Wednesday tonight. So what? We're still giving it to you, hard body karate. I got pretty Bob James in the house with me, man, making it do what it do. I, um, we're going to talk about the Western Conference matchups, man. Um, jumping right into the playoffs, I think, is a good thing. I think the NHL had you know, the, the right idea, you know what I mean? They don't want to, you know, waste, you know, and again, waste a lot of time. Okay, and I'm not mad at that. So um, they're going right for the Gustos, who I think which is going to be interesting from the door, okay, as far as the NHL is concerned, because these are all playoff games, all right? Um. In the West, you got the Edmonton Oilers and the Chicago Blackhawks. These teams are similar in standing offensively. All right, both of them have you know offensive guys that can really make make things happen. Um, the Oilers have the um, alleged best player in the world, Connor McDavid, and um, they you know um, probably have this season's MVP in Leon Draxel. 
All right. So again, they have one of the most explosive and threatening duos across the entire league. All right. But the problem with Edmonton is that they don't have pieces around them. All right. And they don't really have any consistent secondary contributors. So I think, you know, um, only going as far as McDavid and Drexel can drag them is going to be a lot of disappointment for them. You know what I mean? Um, they did insert Kyler Yamamoto and Ryan Lucha Hopkins into the lineups this year, this year um, before um, injuries and the shutdown cut the campaign short. Um, but again, you know, Edmonton has some pieces that can make some things happen. Chicago, the Blackhawks still have Patrick Kane. They still got Jonathan Tate. You know what I mean? So those guys are going to need to be great because they're going to be playing a bunch of young guys. You know what I mean? But they have young guys around them. Okay, so those guys are going to have to really come up strong if Chicago intends to make any noise as the 23rd seed in this year's playoffs, okay? Um, Dominic Kubalik has been, you know, putting together a tremendous rookie year, 30 goals in 68 games. You got the homie Alex Jim Brunkant, Alex Nylander, Kirby Dock, all those guys are talented, all right? And they factor into what the Blackhawks are doing all right, in, the, in their rotation. All right. Um, I think that defensively, there's not really a ton that separates these two teams, which is not really a compliment. But again, it is what it is. Breakdowns are going to happen in this series, but it just might, you know, come down to which team manages to hold it together longer. Okay. Um, Goaltending. Chicago's numbers are better. You know, I mean, tied for fourth in the league with a .913 save percentage, but that's really misleading. You know, they traded away Robin Lehner, who was their top goalie, in a 9.18 save percentage at the trade deadline. Um, I don't know if that, you know, was a smart move because, again, they didn't know if they were going to get into the playoffs this year. Um, they got Corey Crawford to fall back on. Um, you know, he's been hurt, and he's doing his thing, but he's tried to come back, especially, you know, at the tail end of last year or the tail end, of, you know, doing a, a 9.29 um over his last 11 games, man. Um, the long layoff is going to be um, something that he might have to deal with. And again, you know, with the, with the Edmonton Oilers, they have Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen splitting the duties, you know. And, and again, those numbers are going to be very, very important to what Edmonton has to do, man, in, in this playoff situation against the Chicago Blackhawks. All right, we got the Nashville Predators against the um, Minnesota Coyotes. You know what I mean? Um, Nashville. The, the, you know, does their thing. They both have, you know, both teams have good, a great amount of talent. Um, Nashville does their thing. They have the superior shot generation, which, have, you know, taking shots during games, which is fifth in the league, while Arizona ranked 14th, okay? Um, but remember, Nashville dealt with a coaching situation. John Hines took over in early January. Overall, they were a better team, but their offensive numbers took a serious dip, all right? Nashville only have one forward, which is Philip Forsberg, with over 20 goals this year. All right? Um, meanwhile, you know, the Coyotes struggle offensively despite going out of their way to add guys like Phil Kessel, Taylor Hall, you know. Um, Nick Schmaltz is Arizona's leading scorer with 45 points in 70 games. Coyotes also have one 20-goal scorer this year, and that's Connor Garland. All right? Um, as far as goaltending is concerned, Arizona's goaltending has been top-notch. All right, Darcy Comfort has been at the front of the pack. And, uh, you know, he might be a, a, a favorite if he didn't get hurt. 
you know, but you also have to give credit to Ansi Rahner and Aiden Hill for, you know, filling in um, while Kemper has been injured. On the other end, Nashville has major issues with their goaltender. I Pekka Rennie, remember he was one of the top goaltenders, uh, you know, recently as two years ago. But, again, man, he had an awful regular season, but the Predators have been bailed out by Juice Saros, who should be their starter in the postseason, all right? Um, he took over the role, in, you know, in, in February until, you know, the season got canceled in March. He had a .940 save percentage in 16 games for Nashville, all right? Um, Vancouver Canucks against the Minnesota Wilds. Both of these teams rank, you know, in the top half of the league in offense with Vancouver ranking eighth and Minnesota checking in at 12th. You know, um, Vancouver has a bit more star power offensively with those young guys, Elias Peterson, Brock Wilson, and Bo Horvat. All right, they got Quinn, Ho- you know, Quinn Hughes on the blue line as well. Um, they also have some veterans, J.T. Miller, Tyler Toffoli, and Tanner Pearson. Uh, Minnesota's scoring load is carried by Kevin Fiala. You know, he's had a strong bounce back year in his first full season in Minnesota, and he goes along playing with the veterans, Eric Stahl, Zach Farisi, Max Zuccarello. Um, again, Minnesota's not going to win any, you know, up-and-down track meets in this series, Okay. Um, the league shutdown may have helped Vancouver that it allowed their goaltender to get healthy. Jacob Markstrom now, he could be a little bit better after he injured or had a lower body injury late in the season. Uh, Markstrom is a star, all right? And he's a big reason for Vancouver's success. I, um, again, his ability to, you know, deal with what happens, you know, uh, on the defensive end for Vancouver because they have a lot of shortcomings, but he deals with it. So, again, that's going to be really, really key for him and Vancouver for their chances this year. Um, on the other side, goaltending hasn't really been a strong suit for Minnesota. Alex Delac is the number one option, a .910 save percentage. Um, after Devin, Devin Dubnik struggled mightily. I don't know what happened to Devin Dubnik. He was one of the nicest, too. So, again, um, goaltending is going to be important, you know, and, we, and these guys are going to have to show and prove from the beginning. Um, we got Calgary against the Winnipeg Jets. The Flames' offense have been – up and down, they rank 20th in the league in goals per game this season, but they do have firepower, okay? And um, they were one of the most explosive teams over the final month and a half of the year. From February to, you know, the, the shutdown, no team in the league scored more goals than the Flames at full strength, all right? Winnipeg has a lot of firepower, too, all right? Let um, alone from the fact they have one of the most exciting, you know, home, home ice advantages in the league, but that's going to be gone. I um, you know their their weapons are going to be very very important. Patrick Lane, Kyle Connor, those guys are going to be have to really um be heavy contributors. All right, but um on the goaltender side for this series, I think Kyle Connor Hellebuck has been the best goalie in the league this year. All right, um playing against Leon, playing. Go ahead, Bob. Okay, Connor Hellebuck has been the best goalie in the in the, in the league this year playing behind a Swiss cheese defense, but um, he does his numbers. So he's really the only reason that the Jets are in playoff conversation. But Calgary's going to have to decide on between Cam Talbot and David Riddich, all right? And um, they're going to make it happen, man. I think Calgary's going to be outmatched the Golden Goldie department anyway in this series. All right, this is after further review, man. 2.0, a.k.a. the sideline pass, Wednesday night, pump day edition. We are in the building making it happen. And, um... Shout out to everybody, man, who checked out the show, man. Shout out to Bob for holding me down. Um, I want to get into a couple of things this year, the three-minute rant. 
right, before we get up out of here. NFL coaching carousel, right? Some things switching around. Carolina Panthers, they went from Ron Rivera to Matt Rule. Um, you know, Rule, um, he was at Temple. Um, then he went to, you know, Baylor doing his thing. Um, his inexperience is going to be, you know, kind of a, 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 a stone that he's going to have to deal with. Um, he only had one season as a Giants assistant offensive line coach. So we'll see what happens with Carolina in that situation there. Cleveland Browns, they went from Freddie Kitchens, which was a mistake anyway, to Kevin Stefanski. So hopefully they'll have some credibility and stability now with the Cleveland Browns after that situation with Freddie Kitchens, man. He's really, really um, kind of, you know, not, you know, one that really, really is going to work out from the beginning. So hopefully with Stefanski they can bring some discipline and we'll see some improvement from the Cleveland Browns. The Dallas Cowboys went from Jason Garrett to Mike McCarthy. Um, some Cowboys fans are more excited to get rid of Jason Garrett than they are to get Mike McCarthy out there. You know, but um, I think that um, McCarthy already has something that Garrett doesn't. He's got a he's got a Super Bowl ring, so again, that would be some thing to have you know inspire for as far as the Cowboys are concerned. Um, McCarthy won't call the plays; he'll leave that up to Kellen Moore. All right, the Giants, New York Giants, went from Pat Sherman to Joe Judge. They'll look at any you know Giants fans look at anything as the positive, so they're cautiously optimistic. You know. I think that having Joe Judge come from the Belichick, um, Bill Belichick, Nick Saban coaching tree and um, is, is important. You know what I mean? So, you know, the Giants and their fans are searching for something to latch on to. You know, again, you know, uh, a new quarterback, an electric running back, some receivers, a, a defensive improvement, and we'll see what happens with the Giants. Um, Washington, they went from Jay Gruden to Ron Rivera, who left Carolina. Um, you know, I really don't even want to get into it. That situation, you know what needs to be done in Washington. I think that, you know, Ron Rivera, if he's given a chance, you know, he can, you know, turn the franchise around and, and get them into a winning um, situation. Again, but they have other things that they got to worry about, man. And um, it's really bigger than what goes on on the field right now down in Washington. All right, that's the three-minute rant. I'm out of here. Both of y'all was rocking out. Thanks to Pretty Bob James for holding me down. Thanks to everybody for checking out the show. Make sure you check us out on Twitter. At the Further Review 2.0, a.k.a. the Sideline Cast, at RM Desk on Twitter. AFR, a.k.a. TST, is on Facebook, all right? Check out the group, all right? Make sure you rock with us, all right? We're about to get up out of here, man. Hopefully everybody is staying safe, doing what they do. And um, don't forget to wash your hands, man. All right? This is the mayor, lefty nice, left-handed, RM Desk, however you want to call it, whatever you want to spice it, however you want to get it out your mouth, all right? Get at me, man. Bob, I'll talk to you, man. We out. Peace.